We've been talking about folly. Now, what you're going to do tonight is called follies. I guess that's actually the tenth folly. Uh, anyway, we've, we've looked at folly. In the Bible, of course, folly is trying to, trying to achieve success, lasting success, without doing things God's way. Uh, ignoring God only brings trouble. What I'd like to do during this session is sort of turn our direction a different way. Let's look at the other end of things and talk about the way of wisdom. A wisdom, again, is knowing how to achieve lasting success in the universe run by a sovereign and moral God. Not just success that's a flash in a pan, but success that, that lasts and lasts and lasts. Wisdom, we're going to find, has a journey toward it. And we're going to dig into it right now. What, first of all, just basic question. What, what is real success? Is it having, having the biggest house in the area? Is it living at the right address? Is it, is it driving a better car? Uh, maybe getting married, maybe having a family? What, what, what really is success? There are all kinds of people telling you what it is. Every time you turn on the TV, you get, a, you get another statement. It's called advertising. And um, the purpose of advertising is to stimulate your desires and give you some goals for the life that you live, the term that you have here on earth, you, you need to be set in the right direction. Because if you think success is the stuff that's put in front of you by the media or just admired by your friends, you're going to be very disappointed in this world. Life, the way life really works out, uh, life is tough. Life has a lot of grief to it. Job 5.7 says that man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. If you build a fire, do the, do the sparks fly upward? Sure. Are human beings going to have trouble in life? Sure. Do we need to sit and think about it and mourn all the time? No. Well, enjoy the good things God has given you, but along the way, there are going to be tests, friend. There are going to be challenges for you. And you need to understand what real success is. Last, in the middle of a test, you lose heart and you flake out. Then you turn to one of these foolish strategies. As I understand it, real success, or you could say it another way, the best life you can live is this, living under the blessing of God. Now, for some people, that does mean a 20,000-square-foot house. You know, for other people, that means a hut in the jungles sharing Jesus. Living under the blessing of God. Uh, whenever we think about sacrifice, particularly as we're younger, there's a cold, clammy hand of fear that just grabs our hearts, and on the inside we chill. But I tell you, my friend... There is nothing that will come your way that God will not use to do you good if you are determined to walk with him. Uh, Deborah and I, some of you ladies heard Deborah share the other day, my wife. There have been a few pains we've walked through. And our pains have been small compared to many. But life, life just has its challenges. Earlier generations knew this. Uh, our generation, so immersed in the media, has been led to believe that somehow life just happens. And it ought to be totally, completely, absolutely wonderful every moment. And when something's not happening that's absolutely wonderful, something's wrong. I mean, that's the way it is on TV, isn't it? Everything's going just fine. And then something nasty happens. Life goes terrible uh, in, in a sitcom. And then in a funny way, they get it all resolved. Or in a... A more dramatic show, you know, the problems emerge and everybody gets it all solved and then finally life goes back to being wonderful. But in reality, life just has its challenges. Some of them you overcome, some of them you walk through. 
You know, when Psalm 23 says it this way, you need to pay attention. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not run through, not jet through, not even hummer through. It's a scary place. And I'm not getting through it in just one step. I'm not getting through it in one day. It is a walk. But every step of the way with me in this very scary part of life is the shepherd. And when other people would bolt and run, I feel his staff and it gives me comfort. And other people dry up and die, he still refreshes me in the middle of the trouble. And so I walk and I walk and I walk. And one day I come out the other end of the valley of the shadow. Some things you overcome, some things you walk through. But you know, if you if you aim your life in a certain way, the blessing of God will rest on you. There'll be a lot of times you don't feel like you're being blessed. I've gone through long periods in my life where it seemed like God did not hear my prayers. I think the longest one was four years. And where just a lot of opposition from the enemy. But, you know, I, I'd cry out for a word from God and I wouldn't get one. What I had to do was go with the last one he told me. And just keep on. And you know what? God's hand of blessing was still on me. Living under the blessing of God. That'll mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But you know, when, when, God's, when God's hand is on you for blessing, even though you may not see it all right now, good things are coming to you. Now and in eternity. I, I watch, you know, sometimes I watch Christian television. There's a channel that everybody calls the preaching channel. Um, and I, I hear all kinds of stuff preached on it. You know, if I just send you earlier, if I send a thousand bucks, I could have my dreams. <clears throat> or if I just have faith, my problems are going to be solved miraculously by God. And I just, I just hear a lot of different stuff. I wish I could preach that well. I wish I had that much money coming in every month. But that's not my stewardship. God has given me a different one. What I know, though, is true, is that life holds its challenges. And those challenges are God's training program for us. It's very important that you understand that the real training program is not the, not the eight-week Bible study or a summer-long one. It's a lifelong one. Life comes toward us from the sovereign hand of God. He is going to walk with us through it, and he's going to shape in us the person that needs to be. And if we'll just walk with him, his blessing will rest on us. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And I think it's talking about money, and I think it's also talking about a whole lot more kinds of wealth. Peace. Contentment of heart. Peace in a relationship between a husband and wife. Joy in your children. It brings wealth, it says. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. See, whenever we start out on one of these foolish ways to try to get what we want, we're going to have what we want. And we may even get it briefly, but it comes packaged in trouble. And the trouble, the trouble has its way with us. The blessing of the Lord brings, brings wealth. It brings good, and, there, and he adds no trouble to it. Here's another one. Catch this verse. This is Ecclesiastes 2.26. It's a very important verse. It's a promise. And what I personally, the first time I ever read Ecclesiastes, how many of you read Ecclesiastes? Okay, the first time I read it, I thought this has to be the most depressing thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I read it several times before I finally began to understand what he was trying to do. <clears throat> uh, it's a book about how futile life is if you're only looking to this time frame. And yet, in the middle of all the struggles we have, how beautiful it is when you walk in fellowship with God. Oh, but here's a, here's a promise. To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, strangely, catch this next word, and happiness. God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. The word literally is a, is a, a light and free spirit. All kinds of people are trying to be happy. How, how do you become happy? What do you do? 
date, do drugs, make money, become a rock star. What what do you do? People work so hard to make money or they work so hard on relationships. They work so hard on all these things trying to achieve happiness when happiness is not an achievement. Happiness is a gift. You can't achieve it. But as you please God, God will give the gift to you. So your focus needs to be on pleasing God. His, if you walk with Him, His hand of blessing will be on you. There'll be a lot of times you'll be frustrated with His timetable. There'll be many times He'll give you a gift, and just like an ungrateful child, you won't appreciate it. And you, you finally you get yourself straightened out, and you walk on with Him, and He still blesses. It's just important that you understand you set your life in a direction that's pleasing to God. What, what pleases God? Faith. Yeah, read the paper there. <laughs> Faith pleases God. Listen to this. They ask him, John six twenty eight. They ask Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now, this is a serious bunch. They want to know the spiritual disciplines that they've got to have to really please God. What do we got to do, they say to Jesus. Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe the one he has sent. Boy, there are no, there are no amount of spiritual disciplines that add up to faith. Spiritual disciplines can help faith. They can, they can give you strength spiritually. But you know, whenever push comes to shove... You just have to trust Jesus. Well, whenever, whenever well, I, I could, I could give you a lot of examples, but over and over and over again, you just you just have to trust God. If you really respect the Lord, Scripture calls it the fear of the Lord. If you really respect the Lord, then one of the things you do is you stay within the boundaries He sets. You know, the Lord says, you know, you get your money honestly. So somebody comes along. You make a few extra bucks selling a little dope and they want you to sell. You don't do it. Why? Man, that's outside of God's boundaries. The father would be embarrassed by that. As a matter of fact, he would be ticked. I respect him. I fear my father. I don't do that. You know, you're lonely. The, the needs of your heart are for a relationship. You can have a relationship. All you got to do is fool around sexually. And you can have maybe some of those deep needs met. Do you do it? No. You don't do that. Why? What's well, outside the boundaries of what the Father wants? I respect Him. I'm not going to live that way. Boy, time goes on. Marriage hasn't appeared. You knew that by the time you were 20, you'd at least have a prospect. And now you're 30. And there's still nothing on the horizon. So what do you do? Go prospecting, start hanging out in the bars, trying to pick up something. No. Why? Well, you, know, you need to marry in line with God's will and God's heart. I, you just do that out of the respect to the Father. But catch something. If you are going to stay within the boundaries God has set, there are going to be many times you are hanging out, the bases are not covered, and you're going to have to trust God to come through for you. Lord, my heart is lonely. I'm going to walk with you, though. You will provide for my heart at the right time. And you stay pure. God, I'm short on money. I need help. I, I, turned, this, I turned this illegitimate offer down. And now, God, I'm hanging out. Help me. You have to trust Jesus. Whenever you come down to marriage, many, many times I've seen people fall mostly in love, but have a real real question down in their heart if this if they really ought to move into marriage. But they're getting older now, you know, they're they're seniors, they're going to graduate soon. There are all kinds of all kinds of marriages in June after the after graduation. One of the reasons is you're being launched into the future and it'd be great if you could take something out of the past with you. But some a lot of times, whether it's then or, or other times, I've seen people just have this deep question but go ahead and try to ignore the question 
and move on into marriage because they want the marriage to secure themselves and they're unwilling to raise the question lest God say no. Well, out of respect for the Father, man, you, you face questions. But what if this turns out not to be right for marriage? I may have to go longer without a mate. God, I trust you. You understand what I'm saying? Whenever we say faith, we're not just saying, I believe in Jesus, and then we sing praise songs. We're talking about tough life decisions. We're talking about the way you live right now on campus. The way you handle relationships. You do it by faith. And boy, that just pleases God. You know, Scripture says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please God. He just loves it. Faith is pleasing to him. And then faithfulness. That's the other one. God loves faithfulness. He himself is faithful. And the scripture says about him, Proverbs 2, 7, he holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to his faithful ones. Those who are faithful to what he's called them to. Faithful in the sense that they are walking with him. They're not out pursuing other, other lover gods. And faithful in the sense that in the task he has given, the assignments he's given, they're coming through. At the, in the last time when we all stand before God, Jesus tells, Jesus tells a story about that time. He says in the last time, it's going to be like a huge business owner coming in and checking up with his major vice presidents. He's been gone for a while. He's left them a tremendous amount of his estate to deal with. And he checks up to see how they've done. And one comes and he says, you gave me this much and I've doubled it. And he says something to him. Another comes, he says, you gave me this much, I've doubled it. And he says something to him. What he says is, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. This makes God happy. We want to show up on that day without any shame. We want to be faithful. As you walk in trust of God and handling your responsibilities faithful, go ahead and stay within the boundaries, do what he said, the God's hand of blessing will rest on you in this life and in the next. He will work through you what he wants to do. Now, by the way, in that verse, there's a very interesting application out of it. We tend to think that whenever we've handled something faithfully, what's God going to do for us? We have been done. We, we have handled it faithfully. We've completed a great assignment he's given. It was tough, and we, we did it to the best of our ability, and we know that God is pleased with it. How does God bless us? Sends us to Hawaii, right? Hey, son, you did great. You get a six-month vacation in Waikiki. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you over many things now. God's reward for a job well done is a much bigger and tougher assignment. Yep. Great. God will give the grace to handle it, and there will be blessing out of it too. But, but many times we miss that because we think, because we did something, we worked so hard for God, that now it's we get to go to Hawaii. And what God does is God, like a good father, gives us something even better to have more challenge, more excitement, and tougher work that we might grow and develop more. And it has its own increased status and blessing with it. Uh, living under the blessing of God, aiming toward faith, and faithfulness. Like I said, for some people, that's a 20,000 square foot house. And for other people, it's a hut and a jungle. The key thing is, you stay in line with what the Father said, and you pursue Him with all your heart. Proverbs 8, 20 and 21, talks about the journey we go through life. It's the journey toward blessing in time and in, and in eternity. Wisdom is the one who's talking. And wisdom is personified as a woman. 
Wisdom speaks and says a whole bunch of things about wisdom. That's a great chapter, uh, chapter 8, great chapter to read and, and study. But here's, here's something really key. It's easy to read over it and miss what's being said. I walk, wisdom says. She talks about all the benefits she brings and how by her governors rule and princes reign. How by her people are able to create business in the earth. And then she says, I walk in the way, I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Those verses go by fast. But catch this. I want to I lay something out for you. There, there is a road that leads to, quote, success. Uh, we have some maybe some long-term goals in life. God gives us different visions. God gives us different callings. And we get those things on our heart. It could be for our family. It could be for something in ministry. It could be a dream you know, in business or a career. God lays it on your heart, and you begin to yearn for it, and you start to walk toward it. But it's uh, way on out there. As a matter of fact, after you walk a while, it looks still pretty far away. We, we begin our journey in life. Wisdom, wisdom gives us some advice here. What she says is that she's the one who bestows blessing on us. She's the one who bestows wealth on us. It comes out of her. But you always find her on a two-lane road. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. So I'm, I'm going to lay out sort of a picture for you. Here's a, here's a two-lane road, okay? It, it moves along. Say the wall over there is my, my goal. This is the vision God has given me. The things are on my heart that, that are really right from God. Uh, I, I, I walk along the way. And um, let's make it a fire extinguisher. Can everybody see the fire extinguisher? On the wall over here on the corner. Uh, if you can't, just imagine one there. Okay, that's my goal. God has given me a vision for this thing. And my heart yearns for it. I want to see it come true. I start off walking with God, doing righteously and justly. I, I make decisions. Time passes. I have jobs. I have, do things in the ministry. I grow with God. Always keeping on the path of righteousness and justice. Righteousness means I'm doing right before God. Just means that I'm treating people like God wants me to treat them, basically. And, and so all the moves I make, I move toward righteousness and justice. Wisdom says in the, in the short run, what I need to be doing is staying on to go ahead and set my goal, stay on the path of righteousness and justice, and look for wisdom. What is wisdom? Let me give you a short definition. It's a little bit later down your handout. I'll give it to you now. Wisdom is living, knowing how to live life God's way. Living life God's way. Getting married God's way. Getting into a career God's way. Doing your work God's way. Raising your kids God's way. Handling your interior life God's way. Dealing with extended family, God's way. Many times, that way is not immediately apparent. But what, the path that is immediately apparent is what's right toward God and what's just toward people. I need to seek His way to deal with the situations of life as I move along. As I do, there'll be a reward for me as I, as I discover God's way for handling things. So I start out to my big goal. Um, I understand, you know, I'm on the path of righteousness and justice. Uh, let's say I'm driving a car. That car represents God's gifts to me. You know, um, maybe my intelligence, such as it is, my personality, or lack of it. Um, my, my skills and abilities that just sort of built into me. My heritage, my family background. A blessed family or one where there's been a lot of trouble. All this goes into who I am. And the, the package, the ability God has given me. Uh, some of us, he's given, you know, Corvettes to. Some Lamborghinis. Uh, others of us, you know, we're 18-wheelers. We're uh, a lot of us are Volkswagens. Uh, some of us are Kia Rios. <laughs> we, we just have a lot of different capacities. 
and different abilities. What we tend to do if we don't watch it is we start getting mad because either our car can't haul as much as that 18-wheeler or we're so slow and they're so fast. We get in all this comparison when that has nothing to do with the journey. The key thing in the journey is how you drive. It's not what you've been given. As a matter of fact, you may have been given a Corvette that's now all mashed up by the way you've lived life. The key thing is not even the condition of the car. The key thing is how you're going to drive from here on. So I take who I am and I begin this journey. I move toward the goals of God. Life looks good. I find wisdom. There's a reward for me. I understand how to get married in the will of God. I do it. And there's a blessing in it for me. And I keep moving along. And life moves to a point where I hit a circumstance. Out there's that goal. There's the thing God wants for me. I know it. But righteousness and justice turn this direction. And if I'm going to do right before God, I can have the goal. It's right there. All I've got to do is just keep going. But if I'm going to do right by people and right before God, I have to turn away from my goal. I have to keep saying, boy, that's pretty confusing. I have to keep seeking wisdom. God, how do I handle this turn? I'm not sure what's going on, but it is absolutely imperative I stay on the road. You see, if I will, uh, there are places in the road I can't see. Maybe it goes over a hill. And off in the distance, I can see a road approaching my goal. But I can't see the connection between where I am and it. What I do know, though, is as I approach this turn... See, I'm starting, I see the goal, and obedience to God is taking me away from it. It is absolutely crucial you stay on the path. Righteousness and justice. You see, what happens, particularly if it's been a long time, or if it's the third turn we've come to, hope gets deferred, and Scripture says that makes the heart sick. Oh, the goal recedes into the distance. We have to obey God, and it's just so close we can take it if we want it. You know, what a lot of people decide whenever the turn comes is they don't want to risk turning away from their goal. And they'll argue with God, God, you told me I could have this. And then they decide that really the vehicle they were given is an all-terrain vehicle. It's a super Humvee. They don't need the road. They'll just go straight for the goal. And they leave the path of righteousness and justice. And what they don't know is that just over the hill that looks so simple is a 3,000 foot drop. There is no way to reach the goal in disobedience. You might, you might touch it for a moment before destruction hits. That's the best you can do. Most people just never reach it. Folly, it's at the turn, at the turn on righteousness and justice. Folly chases the goal rather than wisdom. If you just stay on the road in the time of God, the things that are right for you will take place. But if you bolt from the road and decide to disobey God, you will not have the joy. That God can bring you. I know people who have done this with ministry. As a matter of fact, if you tend to be a halal, you find ways to try to build bridges over that big 3,000 foot drop. Rather than humble themselves and follow what's right before God, they seize moments of tension and begin to push their own leadership forward. Stay with the road. The hand of blessing of God will rest on you. When you bolt from the road, there are ugly, ugly things that happen in life. You'll keep hearing the voice, friend. It'll never stop. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret, it's pleasant. Take the shortcut. You don't have to take the long way around. Take the shortcut. For the enemy, your enemy knows what lies ahead for you. Don't believe the stupid, foolish voice. Walk with God. Here's what Scripture says. 
Do not set foot on the path of the wicked. That's, that's what diverges from righteousness and justice. That's that other trail that goes over the edge. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. When the moment of temptation comes, get out of Dodge. Don't stand there trying to decide, will I go right or will I go left? Will I follow righteousness and justice or will I follow the way of wicked men? And yet, will I want? The longer you pause, the more likely you're going to get hurt. Make your decisions. Move ahead with God. Now then, my sons, listen to me, Proverbs 5, 7. Do not turn aside from what I say. Boy, the call is going to come to turn. Don't do it. Do you remember the story of Ulysses? Any of you ever read the story of Ulysses? Homer's Iliad, Odyssey and Iliad. At one point, they sailed past a place where there are these monsters that have these beautiful singing voices. The sailors hear the voices and they go mad. Uh, Ulysses wants to hear the voices, so he pours wax into the ears of all his sailors so they can't hear, has them bind him to the timbers of his ship so he can't get loose. And they sail past this place. He hears the voices. It just drives him mad. He wants to get loose and go. And the sailors keep on sailing. Sometimes we think we're like Ulysses. And we can sail on, we can skate on thin ice and never go through. Friend, just don't get into the tempting situation. Get yourself out of there. Walk on with God. There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. Uh, over and over and over again, whenever we hit the, particularly the turns, whenever we hit the turns, we can give ten reasons why this is right. And we can, we'll argue in our minds with our hearts. Our hearts will be saying, don't do this. Or it may be the mind that's saying, you better not do this. And the heart's saying, I want it, I want it, I want it. Listen, whenever, whenever the conflict starts, you're at a turn. You need to think this thing through and you need to do right. If you don't, but we, we can deceive ourselves. We can talk ourselves into why before Jesus this is right. And then we head out across country and we pay the price. Stay with what is right before God and what is just to other people. Seek God's way of dealing with this difficult turn and you'll be okay. A wise man is cautious and avoids danger. A fool plunges ahead with great confidence. That, by the way, is the Casillo fool. You know, somebody's got good sense. Look at the situation and say, I better get out of here. But the Casillo, oh man, oh, it's just right over there. Here we go. Well, stay with the road. Folly, remember, is attempting to achieve lasting success. Without a, really a concern for God who runs the universe. That's the essence of poor judgment. Listen to what Galatians says. Do not be deceived. God cannot, catch this, God cannot be mocked. You cannot trick God. You can't make a fool out of him. A man reaps what he sows. This is one of the laws of the universe that God has established. You sow you will reap. The verse goes on, listen. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. You cannot get away from this. The one who sows to please the Spirit, please the Lord, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You know, God's hand of blessing will reap will rest on you. So, if you've identified yourself as one of these fools, or maybe a mixture of them, some of you are a rainbow swirl. You know, you picked out things from different ones. You, you know, you struggle with these things. You identified them great. What you want to do is you want to, whenever, in those moments of testing, whenever there's a turn in the road, you want to remind yourself that these things will only bring you death if you give them into it, if you give into them. And real life lies in saying no to yourself. You see what's really involved in this turn in the road? Is what Jesus talked about whenever he said, if a man's going to follow me, a man or woman's going to follow me, they're going to have to take up their cross and deny themselves daily. 
You know, over here's what my heart cries out for. It may have even been a vision from God. But in this circumstance, to do what is right before God, I have to say no to the cry of my heart. And I have to turn away from it. I deny myself. I say no. I say no to me. Really, what this whole thing about cross-bearing is, the cross is an instrument of destruction. It's not just a heavy thing. It's a way of dying. Whenever Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's basically saying, get your electric chair, plug it in, and sit down. He's talking about saying no to those deep, deep desires of our heart. That may not be totally wrong, but the way the way to achieve them right now would be out of the will of God. So when the turn comes, friend, even if it's painful, it may be in a relationship, and you see the turn and you know you've got to take it, at the cost of all pain, stay with the road. God's hand of blessing will rest on you. You will not be able to see how at the time. But God is faithful. You, you walk faithfully. He will show himself faithful to you. I've walked through this again and again and again. And I haven't finished my walk yet. It goes on for me. The one who's, who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, life. The operational definition of wisdom, living life God's way. How does God want you to date? Well, first, does he want you to date? Figure that out. Uh, maybe at this point in your life, that wouldn't be a good idea. Uh, and maybe you need to focus on other things. Maybe you're at a point where that would be a good idea. How does God want you to date? Just always remember, Jesus, you know, you're going out driving around somewhere. Jesus is always in the, in the front seat between you. You never go anywhere without Jesus. He's always present. How does he want you to date? I promise you, if you can work it out, there'll be blessing in it. Now, how does Jesus want you to handle your studies? Well, figure it out. Jesus wants you to have a ministry and study. You, you work that out. You seek wisdom. There's blessing in living life God's way. Listen to this. This is First John 2. These, these kinds of messages keep running on over and over and over again through the Scripture. This is First John toward the end of the Bible. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, he's not talking about uh, the world of people that God loved. He's talking about this whole world system that's determined to go its own way and leave God behind. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Catch that. You got a choice of lovers, friend. You got this world or you got God. And you can't serve both. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the flesh, the lust of his eyes. Another translation says, you know, the desire for all that's beautiful. And the pride of life, or as this says, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. You know, whenever, you, whenever your heart just melts for that automobile... Uh, or any other situation that's out of the will of God. What you know is this. All those feelings welling up inside of you at that moment are not from God. And they're from this world. And once upon a time, Deborah and I were looking for a car to drive uh, in L.A. And um, I found a car that I really liked. It was a 10-year-old sports car, classic sports car. I really need a very reliable car. Well, this was so cool. And it was beautiful. It was a Morgan. Any of you ever, ever seen a Morgan car? They look like classic MGs, except they're longer and sleeker. They're really pretty. And we bought this car. I knew it was out of the will of God. You know, as I was looking at it, I could look at the price, and I, I could think it's 10 years old. It's probably going to tear up a lot. But I wanted that car. And I struggled with God as I was standing there looking at it. And I realized, you know, I'm, I'm really lusting over this car. And God has convicted me about my lust. So what I'm going to do is rather than make a decision, I'm going to let Deborah make the decision. So I said, sweetheart, what do you think? And she said, well, it is a pretty car. 
Uh, she said, I think it would be okay to buy it. And my heart said, that's right, that's right. And we bought the thing. It tore up on the way home. And for the next nine months, it tore up almost daily. I carried tools under the hood. It was a cursed car. Now, after about, after about two months, I was praying, Oh, God, deliver me from Egypt. You know, I got myself into bondage. The thing cost a lot of money. I was tearing up all the time. I couldn't get to the work I needed to. See, it looked so beautiful at the time. And I did need a car. But I wouldn't listen to the Holy Spirit in my heart. And finally, after nine months, the Lord let us sell it and get out of debt. The day, I'm sorry, a week after we sold it, it won first of show to the couple that bought it. That the curse was gone. <laughs> as car, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the car. It's just as far as the car goes. But my disobedience led us into bondage. That, that lust for that stuff out there, you know, whether it's a person or a thing, that's not from the Father. That's just going to bring you bondage. So say no to it. Walk in wisdom. Wisdom itself has has some components we'll get to in a second. Listen, this is what Jesus says, John 10.10. 10. Jesus says in the Living Bible, My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. You hook it up and follow behind Jesus. He's not going to rip you off, friend. There are going to be a lot of times it looks like you're being ripped off. In those times, that's whenever faith comes into play. Not just faithfulness, but faith. You have to trust Him. And particularly, there are times when it's just dark all around and you don't have any word from the Lord except, I need to do right. And you wonder, God, what's going on? Give me, give me direction. And the Father says, just keep on doing what I told you. Trust me. If you just keep on with what He said, there'll come light at the right time and there'll be blessing on you. You have to walk through the challenges. Jesus has come to give you life. He's not come to rip you off. Now, sometimes your heart will say, I am being ripped off, God. You need to immediately tell the truth to yourself. God, that's the way I feel, but I trust you. Did you know your ear believes what your mouth says? Did you know that? That's true. You start talking, oh, it's so awful, I don't know why life is like this. And you start off in that untruth. Your your ear begins to listen to that stuff, and it just gets worse and worse. Whenever things are tough, you need to hang with the truth. That's why Jesus uses the, the word whenever the enemy confronts him. He battles back with the truth of the word of God. So hang on to the truth, friend. Jesus says, I am the way. This way of wisdom that leads ultimately to God's... God's will for us on the, on the earth and blessing along the way. This way of wisdom is nothing but following Jesus who obeys the Father and trusting Him. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Not death, life. So stay with me. There are... There are eight areas I want to leave with you. There are eight areas you're going to need to learn to handle as life rolls on. Uh, you're into the Word right now, most of you. You're in Bible studies, doing Scripture memory. Stay with it, friend. It'll bless you more than you'll ever know. But as life goes on and it gets more complex after you graduate from school, you're going to deal with these areas. And in every one of these areas, you're going to hit those, those places where the turn occurs. And you have to make a choice to follow God. I want to give you what the areas are so that you can just be aware. And there may be a key lesson in each area. Here's the first, attitude. Attitude is a mental preset. It's the the mindset or the mental mental slash emotional preset that we bring to situations. Some people have an unteachable attitude. Some people have an impatient attitude. Uh, some people have a rebellious attitude. And, you know, they just sort of walk into the situation already set for a certain kind of engagement. What, what's your attitude? Some people have a depressed attitude. Some people have an upbeat attitude. What's yours? 
What are your mental and emotional presets? Uh, there are some you're to live with according to the scriptures. Let me give you five real fast. Number one is the fear of the Lord. That's, that's respect for God. These are the attitudes, the mental presets. I'm going in this situation. I'm going to do what God wants no matter what. Number two is trust in the Lord. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to rely on my own insight. As a matter of fact, if you put those two together, you pretty well have faith. That's what faith is. Staying within God's boundaries, trusting to come through. Third one, and these are important, third one is humility. Fourth one, teachability. Yeah, it's just hard to take correction. You know, it was so hard on Balaam, God had to use his donkey to talk to him. If you know that story in the Old Testament. Well, you want you want to learn before you, before the animals have to start talking. <laughs> teachability, the last one is patience. Not just simply sitting, waiting on something to happen, but it's a kind of endurance in doing right. Every one of these is promised tremendous blessing in the Bible. But you know, rather than trusting God, it's very easy to trust ourselves. Rather than patience, it's easy to get real hasty and just dash into stuff. Rather than teachability, it's easy to get arrogant and wise in our own eyes. So you, you, you learn to work with these right attitudes. Second area is authority. Authority is a fact of the universe. It starts with God. It's distributed in the angelic realms. Uh, he's given some to government. He's given some to uh, leaders in business. He's given some in the home. He's given authority in the church. And authority is something American, Americans have a hard time understanding. Uh, we have the attitude, there's a time to rebel against authority, but it's not when most of us are doing it. Authority has two faces to it. One is leading. The other is following. The Lord tests you on following before he gives you leadership. If you follow, you follow leadership as you would Christ. For Christ, actually. If you lead, you lead for the sake of the people you lead, not for yourself. These are the big tests in the, in the area of authority. You learned it in the office. You're given a super, you, first you work. And you have to follow other people's direction. And some of them are not real smart. Some of them are just downright nasty people. And you have to work with that. Later on, you may have authority and God will, God will grow you in being willing to make the hard decisions to bless the people who follow you rather than take the easy route to bless yourself. That's why all leaders must be servants in the kingdom. Authority, relationships. That's the next big area. And I'm going to just generally, there's, you know, relationships with friends, family, husband, wife, parent, child, even relationships with enemies. You know what the rule is for all relationships? It's the golden rule. It's love. Sac I sacrifice for the other person's best interest. Not, I feel so warm and fuzzy about my enemy. I'm just sort of emotionally frothy and... I just worked myself in this emotional state where I just love my enemy. What loving my enemy means is I am going to treat this person in a way that is right before God. And regardless of what they've done to me, I will do what is right before God for this person. That doesn't mean that we uh, forgive and, and never deal with cruel people who violate the law. But in, in relationships where, we, where we're dealing with enemies, we're required, if they're hungry, we're required to feed them. They're thirsty, we give them a drink. You now, really, what we'd like to do is get them in a jar and tighten the lid down and watch them. <laughs> but we don't. You know why? Because we've been God's enemy and He didn't treat us like that. So we can't treat them like that. Doesn't mean we turn our backs on them and say, Oh, I trust you, my friend. Well, that's sort of stupid. But we still do right by them. Uh, relationships. The law of love covers all relationships. You need wisdom to know how to apply it. But boy, it's a huge demand. Next one is decision making. 
I want to make my decisions God's way. Decision making is learned. You need to learn how to do it. Our, our emotions and our desires get involved. And what we end up doing is we end up getting into folly in order to get what we want. You need to learn how to make major life decisions in a way that you avoid the folly. Now, some of you have been in Bible studies on decision making. It's good stuff. The complexity of the decisions that you're going to make is going to go up as time goes on. So, decision making. Uh, next one, verbal patterns. Your words. The scripture, the scripture says that a man's stomach, a person's stomach, is filled as much by the words of his mouth as by the work of his hands. Your, your, your verbal interchange with people is half of your success in life. I once saw an article about a study done, long-term study done on creative people. The high, not just creative, but highly creative people. The study concluded, they studied a thousand, I think it's 1,500. Over a time period, 53% of these exceptionally creative people were job failures. You know why? Because they had caustic mouths. There was a way they treated people verbally that kept getting them fired, job after job after job. Tremendous ability. I, I read that and I thought, that's exactly what Proverbs says, man. Half of the job is just the way you treat people with your mouth. You get into family, you begin to discover that if you have children, your words can scar your children for a long time. Your words can wound your mate in a way no one else can. So you, you learn to be careful about your words. Um, verbal patterns, work patterns. How you approach, how you approach your work. Work's a major area of life. Uh, you, you work diligently. You do honest work diligently. If you want the guideline, honest work diligently. Scripture says diligent hands will rule. The desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. If you're going to be diligent, there are three, three faces to diligence. Someone who's diligent is energetic. Persistent and thorough. Not lazy and persistent. And not just energetic and a a dash here and a hit there. The person works thoroughly, energetically, and persistently. And boy, that's hard to do. But you're young. You can learn. If you learn to handle your work this way, there's blessing for you. There's another area that comes next. That's possessions. It includes your money. But just how you handle your possessions. Are they under God's God's sovereignty? Are you a steward of the possessions he's given you? Do you recognize that in the way you handle your money? Give money to him? Help other people? Or are you a Scrooge? I'm going to hang on to my money, man. I'm going to tip God every now and then. You know, don't want him to get mad. But I'm, I'm hanging on to my stuff. My stuff is for me. I, I worked for years counseling people on how to deal with money, and I'll tell you what I discovered. Some of them were handling the money rightly, but they had a real problem with their attitude. They were into pride, and Scripture says the Lord destroys the possessions of the proud. And I tell you, you buy an expensive possession, it catches fire, and you don't have the, the proper coverage on it, it costs you a lot of money. People get into debt just over pride. Uh, last one is calamity. Uh, calamity is that sudden eruption of trouble. Everyone goes through it at some point in life, maybe many times. Things have been going well, and all of a sudden, maybe there's an accident. Or perhaps sickness shows up. Or some other trouble develops, and all of, you're, you're just blown away. I, I thought I was following Jesus, and now there's just trouble everywhere. What's wrong with God? It's in the middle of this sudden eruption of trouble that a lot of people abandon their faith. You need to learn how Scripture says to handle calamity. <clears throat> Just a basic guideline. God is the rock. You run to the rock in the middle of trouble. There are some other things you can do. Now, I, I lay these out for you because I want you to understand, if you, if you want to develop wisdom, you're going to learn how to handle these areas. If you're looking, how do I live life God's way, you're asking, how do I handle authority God's way? How do I handle this relationship right now with my roommate, God's way? 
Now, I've got to make some decisions about what I'm going to do after college. Or maybe about a relationship. How do I make a good decision? Good, let me, let me work through that process. And then, you know, my mouth. These things actually fall, from my own study of Scripture, uh, what, I've, what I've run into is that these things fall like dominoes hitting one another. If you've got an attitude problem, it will impact how you deal with authority. If you have a rebellious attitude, it will, it will automatically set authority off, off for you. You'll have a struggle with authority, uh, either using it or following it. If you have a problem with authority, it really affects how you deal with relationships. If you're an arrogant person and you're a leader in a family, you'll, you'll run roughshod over people and hurt them. It'll mess up relationships. Or if you're, if you're the follower and you've got this problem, uh, you'll alienate your parents, you'll alienate your bosses, you'll have a struggle in relationships. If you have a struggle in relationships, it messes up your decision making. You know why? Because many times, the people you need to go to are the ones who know you best. And you've got a mess in the relationship and you can't ask them the questions you need to. And then too, if you've got an authority struggle, that messes up decision making. You know why? God wants you to keep your contracts. Scripture is very clear about that. And if you're a rebellious person, you'll bolt on your contracts. You won't keep them. And you, you, whenever the turn comes... You have to keep your contract with difficulty. You'll just leave the path and go right on to your goal. Bad decision. Uh, decision making uh, impacts and everything else your verbal patterns and your work patterns. And you know what? Your work patterns and your word patterns, they affect your possessions. If you've, if you've worked it all well... You've learned wisdom from God. There's still this calamity thing that when it comes up, don't be blown away, friend. Many, many, many have faced it. God will show you how. We've talked about the ways of folly. That's where most of our time has been spent. I've tried to line up for you the way of wisdom. It's basically following Jesus, and when the tough turns come, keep on following him. Learn more from the Word about how to handle life in these areas I've talked about. Because as you go further with God, God expects you to accumulate some more information. He'll still be gracious to you. You know, whenever my children were small, we fed them every bite they ate. But my goal was not that I'd be feeding them still at 21. They have to begin to pick up some responsibility along the way. God wants you to learn. Learn. You're not going to get it all together next week. God knows that. He just wants you to be his child, love him, and learn. He intends blessing for you. Walk in his ways. If you do, there will be a blessing on your life. And you'll find the good things God has for you. I'd, I'd just like to mention another thing and then Max will come up. Uh, if you've identified one of these fool patterns, maybe you've got a piece here and a piece here, great. Maybe you're all of one. And you looked at that and you said, this is so depressing. I've got good news for you. If you've committed your life to Jesus Christ, God gave you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has more power than any patterns you've developed. But he will expect your cooperation. So ask him for help. He'll give you insight and he'll lead you. Be open and teachable. You don't have to be a victim of these things. You can change these things. They're good news for you, friend. One other thing, that has to do with processing truth. Um, you, you've encountered a lot of truth this week from Dave Geisler, some from me, some from conference leaders. Did you know there is a normal response that people have to truth? Particularly when a call for commitment is made. You know what the response is? People say, yes, I, I know that's true. But you see, in my special case... Well... God's truth is just God's truth, period. If God's challenged you about a relationship or he's challenged you about some other areas, just say, God, I'm out of bounds. Help me get in. Don't, don't do this thing of special pleading. Well, now, I know that's true. But you see, my boyfriend, 
A lady once told me, I know that God wants me to marry. Uh, she was uh, in the ministry. I know God wants me to marry someone who's a believer. But in this special case, I believe God is going to save this man. So I'm going to marry him anyway. God doesn't, in, in our idiom, talk out of two sides of his mouth. Don't do the special pleading. Oh, I know that's what's right. But you see, in this special case, I just don't feel like, let it go. Why, why get into the trouble? You don't want to drive a car that tears up every day. I did. (laughs) If you make a mistake, learn from it and then move on. But don't play, don't play that game with yourself. God has given you a lot of truth this week. You'll not assimilate it all immediately. He, he will He will help you. Just don't play games. May the God of all glory and blessing, let his blessing rest on your life. Walk with him. You'll find it.